0: Radio. It's the Speeway Show. An idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host,
1: Speeway. Hi, and welcome to the Speeway Show. Our topic today is my workout isn't working out. Are you one of those people who jumped off the couch at the beginning of the year and resolved to get into shape? Maybe you, brought, you went out and you bought a brand spanking new gym membership that you were really excited about and went to this cool gym that had machines for miles and even childcare, so you couldn't even use your kids as an excuse. But now, that, by the way, is a gym like my gym, very family friendly. But now it's been a whole month and a half and nothing has changed. You're still as chubby as you always were. Your body must surely be allergic to muscles because you still don't have any and you are spending more time at the swanky cafe in that gym rather than at the machines. What to do, what to do. There may be many reasons why your workout isn't working out. You may be sabotaging your gains at the gym with the food that you are still putting into your body. It may be that you are not working out consistently enough So rather than going on a steady schedule of, say, every other day, at least three times a week, you maybe go for two days in a row. Then you don't go for a week. Then you go three days the following week. Then you're done for another two weeks. This may be your life. So I promise you this, however, because, you know, it's not because, you were the one person on the planet who was created with a body that would not respond to exercise. And to give us some ideas about how to work out effectively is my good friend, Frank Pollock. You will remember Frank because he was on a show that we did before, and it was called How Frank Lost the Weight. And, um Frank, however, has a lot of things to say about good exercise habits, and therefore he is going to be back with us today. And in fact, I am going to uh, call him now because um, we can get him on the show. So let us see if we can find ourselves Frank. And actually, the reason Frank is not on the line was because I asked him to give me a little bit of time to get set up today because I was coming from another meeting and um, running a little bit late. So we're going to call Frank and see if we can't get him on the line. So let us call Frank and see if he is there. Hello? This is, well, fantastic. This is Fiway, and you are on the air. I was explaining to our guests that, uh, you know, this problem that we have oftentimes at the beginning of the year is uh, not just because they are uh, the one person on the planet who was cursed with a body that was allergic to exercise. Because by now, you know, you've got those people who were all excited about, um, Uh, Getting their workout on and they did all this stuff to um, get set And um, they went to the gym And it might be that they're not consistent But they find that they're still just as chubby as they always were And they're feeling a little bit discouraged So (laughs) this is why today we're going to have this conversation And give them a few tips So the first time you appeared on the show And we talked about how you lost the weight we focused really a fair amount on the dietary aspect of your weight loss. And today we're going to talk about the physical aspect of your workout. So first, share with us uh, a ballpark of how much much weight you've lost for all those people who didn't hear the first show. Uh,
0: About 50 pounds.
1: Hello. That's a lot. Um, And so the question then is, and and part of the reason, listeners, we have Frank on the show is because Frank is what I would call an everyday guy like you and me. And so to the extent that uh, we have everyday people with everyday challenges and uh, many of us have weight challenges, then I wanted to give you as many ideas as possible for different ways that different people have managed to lose the weight so that you too maybe can... Um, Use some of these tips in your own workout. So when we talk, Frank, about what is the most effective in terms of weight training, the thing that I've always wondered, and the thing I wondered for a lot of years is, okay, so as between cardio or weight training, for the person who's out there getting into working out for the first time, which is the more effective, or is there one that is more effective than the other?
0: If I understand your question, you're asking which is more effective: steady-state cardio training or interval cardio training? Cardio
1: training, cardio training, or weight training?
0: Oh, I'm sorry, cardio training or weight training? Yeah. Well, um, the okay, it's a little more complicated than that. So, the traditionally um, the thought process has been cardio training, but what science has revealed in the last uh few years is that when weight training is done in a specific way, it's actually weight training oh, really? and here's why um If you do cardio training traditionally, you get on an elliptical machine or you get on a treadmill and you run for, you know, 35 or 40 minutes or however long, your mm-hmm. metabolism elevates for that 45 minutes. Shortly thereafter, it will actually go back to its normal rate. Mm-hmm. But if you uh, if you do weight training at an aggressive tempo, um, if you've seen CrossFit, that's an extreme example. But if you're actually doing circuit training or... Um, a technique called supersets or giant sets, which involves doing two or three exercises together in rapid succession, then your metabolism uh, elevates for an extended period to up to, I emphasize up to, there's no guarantee that it's this long, but up to 48 hours after your workout. No way. Now, so in essence, you when you do that type of workout, so let's say, for example, um, the workout that I did today, so there was a uh, dumbbell bench press, a, uh, a front squat with kettlebells, and a um, rowing exercise. <laughs> so I did them in rapid succession, one, two, three, rest for a minute repeat, one, two, three, reps for a minute. Training like that actually oh, combines. Hang on.
1: When you um, say one, two, okay. three, you mean you did one of each?
0: No, no I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, that's a, a great question. So I did the uh, bench press first. I did all ten reps, the bench press. Mm-hmm. Then I did ten reps of the front squat, and then I did ten reps of the row. So and then you rest between minute. the exercise, right? Then I rest.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. And I guess the the rationale in doing it that way is that you're using different body muscle you're, you're using different muscles, therefore you shouldn't have to rest in between, right?
0: Exactly. And there's also some science that tells you why that's an effective way to train, which I'll get to in a second. But okay. it's... The point being that you are now combining resistance training and cardio, because if you are using weights sufficient to challenge your body, you will subsequently um, elevate your heart rate and challenge your muscles to get stronger at the same time. So, I've used a heart rate monitor in when I do workouts like that, and I've you know, see my heart rate get into, uh, you know, the higher ranges, which would be consistent with running on a treadmill or using an elliptical. So yeah, okay. the, the second part, yes, hmm. the, the second part of it is um, the, the the way that we, the way that uh, physiologists calculate how many calories are burned during running, uh dancing, you know, kickboxing, all that kind of stuff. Is a process that requires a formula and some deduction. About three years ago they realized that the way that they're doing that actually underrepresents uh the number of calories that are burned while you're lifting weights in the manner that I suggested. So the total calorie burn during that window of exercise is actually pretty similar to doing cardio on a treadmill or on a uh on an elliptical.
1: Wow. You know, this this is fascinating because when I work out I will typically go and I will spend thirty minutes doing cardio. Thirty to forty minutes, depending on how much fun I'm having, thirty to sixty minutes doing cardio. Right. And then I will go, and if it's like a Saturday when I have, you know, all the time in the world, then I might spend, I'll spend at least another 30 minutes doing the weights. If it's during the week, usually I'll break it down and I'll do 30 minutes of cardio, 30 minutes of weights, right? And the reason I do that is because I had a, in fact, she was my secretary years ago who was a belly fitness trainer. And she's the one who told me that actually you don't ever want to do just cardio for the reason you're describing. But what she said to me is if you combine your cardio and weight training, you're going to see better results, which is true. But um, from what you're saying, it really sounds like if you do the weight training correctly and you challenge yourself appropriately, you can totally dispense with the cardio portion altogether, yeah?
0: Well, for the most part, you can. You have to understand that that's not an easy way to work out. So, you know that that's more that is a uh, well, I won't say it is a completely advanced training style. It's certainly not one that uh, someone who doesn't have a background in exercise or hasn't worked out can just walk into the gym tomorrow and start doing. Okay.
1: You know,
0: I mean, you you can conceivably do it, but. You know, if you – certainly there's a greater risk of injury. um, And it's a tougher workout to complete because, you know, you have to really push yourself during that time.
1: Okay. So is it fair to say then – because, you know, sometimes I hear this – um, I hear people say this that you know I've been going to the gym, I've been doing all this cardio, and I have not seen results and I can't figure out why that is, and I think there can be a lot of reasons for that um, but it it could it be that one of the reasons is exactly what you described, which is that if you're just doing the cardio and you stop. <clears throat> especially if you haven't done anything about your eating habits uh, and perhaps some of the other things that you may be taking in that might not be helpful to your weight loss. Could it be that simply doing cardio by itself can be a problem and a reason why you might not see the results that you want out of your workout?
0: Absolutely. If you think about it in, in these terms, I weigh you know somewhere between 3.05 and 3.10 depending upon the day. If I do an hour of cardio on you know an elliptical machine or something like that, I can burn something like a thousand calories. Okay. I can and that takes me an hour. I can eat a thousand calories in about 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so my my point is that it's much easier to Well, my point is that you cannot exercise your way out of a diet, out of your bad diet.
1: Okay.
0: So no matter how hard you run, um, you're not going to be able to uh, run your way. Well, it's conceivable, but you would have to be a world-class athlete or a marathoner. And even marathoners don't lose weight. It's actually part of the marathon uh, training protocol. They tell you, you know, when you do the, you know, couch to marathon or couch to 10K, they
1: mm-hmm. say,
0: don't expect to lose weight. If you're doing a marathon to lose weight, it's not going to happen. Why? So, well, what happens is... I would expect is, that if uh, I've been
1: sitting on the couch and I start running and I'm running so many miles every day training for a marathon, how can I not lose weight?
0: Could so you get hungry. You get really, really hungry, okay um, well, and so, and so you know with that increased level of exercise, you will you know significantly increase your appetite because you need the fuel to run you know all those miles, but the second part of that is the the best predictor of your metabolism is the amount of muscle mass that you have. So if you don't increase the amount of muscle that you have, your know, your metabolism will stay the same. Running um, can also that type of distance can also cause some muscle tissue to break down. Oh, uh-huh. if you look if you look at marathoners, you certainly don't they certainly aren't a very muscular group. It's not in their. No,
1: they're kind of skinny, actually.
0: So they're not going to, they don't have the body types that burn a lot of calories from muscle. It is because of the extraordinary amount of activity that uh, causes them to to um, burn calories.
1: Hmm. Well, now let's talk about interval training for a minute. So what I used to do when I used cardio machines is I wouldn't use any kind of interval settings. Instead, I'd find the level I was comfortable working at, and um, depending on how energetic I I felt, right, (laughs) it was either higher or lower. And then I'd set the machine to manual and just stay at that level for the entire 30 minutes. So I might get on, you know, the way I lost weight when I was in college, I'd get on a a StairMaster, the original StairMaster machine, and I'd set it at, like, 14 which was, I think, about at the time the highest level that you could set the machine on. So you were running um, pretty much on the machine, but I would do that and stay there for 20 minutes just because I could. Um, I have heard now that actually interval training is more effective than just staying at the same level. Do you know anything about that?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. I am intimately familiar with uh interval training. So, first off, um steady state cardio, which is what you were doing when you were on the Stairmaster, uh, is effective for people who who haven't been working out regularly.
1: Okay. There are other
0: places where it works to recover from really tough workouts the day before. Um it also works well for uh, people who want to be distance runners. But amongst you know, um, the the athletic training crowd, so if you're the strength and conditioning expert for the you know, Minnesota Vikings or the T-Wolves, the standard line is the only reason to run distances is if you want to be a distance runner. Everybody else should be doing some type of interval training. Hmm. Okay. Now, there are varying degrees of intervals, whether they are negative intervals, which means you rest less than you work, or a one-to-one intervals where you work and rest the same amount. So, for example, if I do a regular one-to-one interval, I run for a minute, then I recover for a minute, then I run for a minute and recover for a minute. A negative would be run for a minute and recover for 30 seconds. I don't advise many people doing that just because uh, that's reserved for people who are in really good shape. But, you know, it can be a one-to-one work-to-rest ratio, one-to-two, one-to-three. But they are extremely effective for uh, a couple of things. Number one, it's actually, the according to the, the latest research, of course, research changes every week it seems, but... Um, it is the best way to take care of your heart. The second thing is it is terrific for fat loss because your body is extraordinarily efficient. Mm-hmm. It adapts to the stress that you put on it. So if you you know, jog every day for 30 minutes on a treadmill, same speed, your body eventually starts to burn fewer calories because it's used to doing that.
1: Oh, I see.
0: However, if you have intervals where you're varying the work and the rest, um, your body cannot adapt to to a steady state. So that causes your body to burn calories inefficiently and thus burn more calories it also causes a similar type afterburn to weight training. If you think about the way I laid out weight training, it's in a sense interval training.
1: Yes. So the the idea then is to keep your body really as efficient, as inefficient as you can, so that it doesn't get to that point where it just kind of adjusts to what you're doing, in which case you end up feeling like you're doing as much work, but you're just not getting results. Pretty much. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, Frank, was because you and I started talking about how you lost the weight after I did my show entitled How I Lost the Weight, which led us to How Frank Lost the Weight. And while we both focused on diet and exercise, your regimen was Quite different from mine, and one of the big differences was your use of personal trainers. Share with us the kind of schedule you had with your personal trainer hmm.
0: well, um let me begin by saying I've actually used um, one, two three. I've used five different personal trainers in the time that i've. Known. Okay, so in Minneapolis, and you know this is a plug for Dirk Voskul, who is a terrific personal trainer and a good friend of mine um,
1: and but, what gym is he with?
0: You know he uh I cannot think of the gym now. I trained with him at Lifetime Fitness, but he has since left uh that gym. Mm -hmm. and I will uh, get you an answer here in just a second. Okay. But um, I worked with Dirk, and then I had uh, a few trainers that I worked with here. The reason I started working with Dirk is I wanted to um, change the way that I worked out because for years I had been uh, kind of a – I trained in an old-school way, that was pseudo-bodybuilding where I lifted weights that were, you know, back and by, chest and try, uh, that sort of stuff. And I wanted to figure out some different ways to exercise and um, some unique exercises. And so I saw Dirk doing some stuff that, you know, I hadn't seen before. So I... um, went and asked him about it, and we started working together. And so we uh, trained together for, I guess, four years. Wow. uh, um, Yeah. So, you know, and and it varied. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, three or four times a week thing. The first, you know, four or five sessions were pretty close together, so I could get a feel for it. And then, you know, maybe once every couple of months I would go to him for, a different type of workouts, new ideas, that sort of thing. He's also the trainer that uh, introduced me to uh, heart rate training with a polar heart rate monitor. And so there were different protocols for that, which uh, that's how I started doing my interval training because I did it based upon my heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved back to my home in North Carolina, uh, I used a couple of different trainers uh, for the same reason, to freshen up workouts and do different stuff. And then one of them is a specialist uh, in kettlebells. And I had used kettlebells to some extent, but wanted to really uh, refine my technique and be uh, a better kettlebell lifter. Um The the kettlebells require you to use your hips an awful lot, and there's some Olympic lifting uh, that goes into them. So I say that to make this point. It is easy to injure your wrists and shoulders and your back if you you are not properly trained using kettlebells. So I want you to be
1: properly trained. Well, now, so compared to when you were working out by yourself. What was the greatest value or what were the things that you found most useful about using personal trainers besides helping you with your technique?
0: You know, it was a um I got a very different perspective on my workouts. I was pushed uh very aggressively, so um uh, all of them found uh they, you know, we all have a tendency to avoid certain exercises. And no matter you know, how hard we try to, to say that we don't, we do. Um, they all seem to find the exercises I detested and force me to do them. And, um, you know, uh, but the technique is one thing, as in doing a lift properly, but also they found uh, issues with you know, my body from old injuries and helped me uh, recover from those. The personal training is starting to shift towards um, a lightweight version of physical therapy. So, for example, the kettlebell trainer that I went to, uh, Tim Anderson, he also has a... uh, He's also accredited in assessing movement patterns, how you walk how you bend over, how you squat. There's a, a, a whole uh, a protocol for doing it. In a matter of five minutes, you know, this is the first time I met him, he knew that I had uh, recovered from a pretty severe ankle sprain on my right on my right ankle and that I had a some type of disc issue in my lower back.
1: Just and so, watch. what's that? Just by watching you, yes, mm-hmm.
0: so he w- he was able to do that, and he gave me a an exercise prescription that addressed those uh ailments and helped me um with my regular training and to recuperate more quickly.
1: Hmm. now, another thing that you did was focus on strength training. How is that different from other types of exercise regimens?
0: Well, you know, there are a few ways that you can approach this. Um and strength training has a a broad range of uh of uh, techniques. So, but primarily using weights gives me the opportunity there's I have the flexibility to change the tempo. So if I want to train slower and more focused to, you know, emphasize specific muscle groups, if I want to train up-tempo in order to really focus on elevating my heart rate, burning uh, calories and increasing my metabolism, I've got that kind of flexibility. If I were to do you know, classes like, you know, Zumba or kickboxing or spinning. I don't have that flexibility. I'm really only able to train one um, specific area.
1: You talked about using a heart monitor. And I'm curious about that because anybody who goes to a gym may notice that, you know, you get... They have ads now where they talk about how um, using a heart monitor is really the best way that you can um, keep tabs on how you're doing throughout your workout. And I've even had trainers discourage use of the heart monitor capabilities on machines with the idea that actually they're variable and they're not entirely reliable and some machines are better than others. So, what are the what are the things that you have learned about using heart monitors and why do you use one now if you do?
0: I I'm on my third heart rate monitor now. I've been using them for 10 years. Uh I am a true believer. You um, know, so yes, I think there's variability uh, from machine to machine. The the way that the heart rate monitors on the heart rate indicator on um, on any machine works is, you know, you have to put your hands on it and it will you know, check your pulse through that. The problem is you continue to move while it's doing that and that your hands are sweaty, so you may not have a firm grip. So, if my hands shift, it can easily trigger an extra beat during the course of the, you know, six or eight or ten seconds that uh, the machine has calculated my heart rate, which, you know, can take my heart rate up by, you know, uh, six beats, because it's a ten-second window. So, Having my own heart rate monitor gives me, you know, a very accurate reading. Um, here's the thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you do an interval training, you do a certain amount of work. And the idea then is that you want to recover and that, uh, you know, once you're fully recovered, you go and do uh, another amount of work. Traditionally, that's been done by a time. So one minute work, two minutes rest. But if I have a heart rate monitor, I can tell you what my resting and recovering heart rates are. So if I do a minute of work, then I can rest, I can watch my heart rate trial, and then when it gets to the heart rate where I recovered, I can then immediately start exercising again. So sometimes that's longer, sometimes that's shorter, it depends upon the workout. But And the the second part of that is um, with my heart rate monitor, I can upload all that information to a uh, website so I can track it over time. Now, that's a great thing for me, but I also gave my physician access to that. So if I don't log four or five workouts a week, I get an email from my doctor.
1: <laughs> okay. Come on, Frank, get on with it. <laughs>
0: that's pretty much. So oh, that's really nice. Well, you know, it has its pluses and minuses. I mean, he's a triathlete, so he's a really active guy, but um you know, knowing that email is coming certainly is uh and uh is en- extrinsically motivating.
1: Are there better heart rate monitors than others? Because, you know, they seem to vary. First of all, they all seem to be rather expensive. But they, they then seem to vary a great deal in terms of features and bells and whistles and the way they look. And, you know, frankly, in the times that I've looked at heart rate monitors, I have just been a little bit overwhelmed. Because when you don't know the first thing about them, it's like, well, do you just pick the cheapest one? and and what makes a good heart rate monitor? Well,
0: you know, the uh, a heart rate monitor uh I I think the Polar brand has uh by far the um best rep- well they have the best reputation in the industry because they've also invested significantly in the technology surrounding it. The uh Timex also makes a a very good monitor and there are a couple of other players, but Polar and Timex are the number one and number two, I think, uh, oh, by market here. Um, Recently, as far as what- um,
1: you know there's a there's a new player in town lately. Who is it? It's moto? I wanna say I wanna say it's, mm. it's Moto or something like Moto. Moto something, motor fit, motor fitness. And they have been advertising quite a lot. And in fact they seem to have a deal with um lifetime because I mm. see them at the gym all the time. And um I think it's it's really Motorola that makes them yeah, motor motoractives is what they're called. Have you seen those at all?
0: You know, I'm not familiar with them. Um,
1: okay.
0: You know, Polar used to have a relationship with Lifetime, and that's where I was first exposed to Polar.
1: Mhm.
0: But um, so, you know, the, well,
1: they sure there are, there are cheaper uh, than Motoactive.
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: I said Polar is actually quite a bit cheaper. So, you can get wow. and i I happen to be looking on the internet right, as we're talking, but you can get a polar as for as little as forty three dollars and fifty cents. You start looking at the monoactives, and you know you've got these fitness watches, and you know they're all heart rate monitors, but they're like three hundred bucks two hundred and forty two dollars two ninety nine ninety nine that's a
0: thousand whistles, I'm sure. Yes. So there's essentially, you know, there's a few um, features that go into them, but, you know, the, being able to um, obviously view your heart rate to set specific ranges. So there are heart rate zones, which is kind of out of the scope of, of our conversation today, but you know there's your there's a range from when you're active all the way up into what what would be termed your maximum heart.
1: rate. Mm-hmm.
0: So somewhere in, there are different uh zones within there're five different zones within that space. And uh, you can establish those zones on your heart rate monitor so you know how much time you spend in each of those zones while you're training. Um the ability to upload to save it and upload it to your laptop, um, and then uh, you know if it's waterproof because you're a swimmer, you know those kinds of things are all features to consider. Oh, okay. Well, fair
1: enough. Um, so when we came up on this topic a while back, I remember you talking about body types. What have you learned about body types and how they impact a person's ability to get results out of their workout or diet regimen? That might well, be a know, question. I,
0: well when you know when we spoke last time, um there are essentially there are three primary body types. So they they're called somatotypes, but there's a an endomorph, a mesomorph, and an ectomorph. And so when you think endomorph, think, um, you know, a left tackle. Think uh, Cedric the Entertainer, stocky person, you know, um, wide body. When you think a mesomorph, you think one of those naturally athletic, sculpted kind of dudes that would, you know, that looks like um, LeBron James. And then when you think uh, ectomorph, super skinny, string bean sort of person like, um, you know, Kevin Durant who plays for the Oklahoma Thunder. If he turns sideways, he'll disappear.
1: Yeah.
0: So, you know, each of those has, um, now, you know, very few people are, you know, specifically one. They're usually some hybrid of, you know, of two of them. But the, the important thing to remember is, that um, you know, the characteristics of each are important for your dietary regimen, and they will, in some part, in some ways, dictate you know what type of exercise you can do. I know endomorphs, you know, stocky people who love to run, they'll never be runners. They, you know, they will love to go out and knock down a couple miles, but they're going to plod along because. You know, they, they just don't have the right body type to be a runner. The flip side of that is I know ectomorphs who really want to be bigger and stronger and, uh, you know, more muscular, but there's really a limit to how they're going to be able to do that just because of their body type.
1: Yeah.
0: So but one of the, the major um, takeaways from the body types is they they usually correlate pretty closely with how many carbohydrates you can eat. Oh. An ectomorph who's rail thin and as a runner can eat tons of carbohydrates because his body can actually tolerate them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A you know mesomorph typically has pretty good carbohydrate tolerance, so can eat some. But endomorphs like me, yeah, we're we're not going to be able to a lot of carbohydrates.
1: Cuz it just to not gonna work. <laughs> What's that? Oh, Cuz they stick with you.
0: Yes, they they stick with me for years. So, you know, the um th- this is the the place where uh modern well well this is the place where, you know, the 80 the American Dietetic Association and the public health community and the hardcore exercise and fitness community uh, really start to diverge because the American Dietetic Association and the public health community give one recommendation for everybody. And they yeah. have, there isn't a significant stream of research that they share with the public about this. But if you talk to specialized guys who, you know, they focus on... Um, building physiques or working with athletes or, you know, they uh, make their living helping people lose weight in, in very specific ways, this is the type of stuff that they test out and research and, you know, publish. And so, you know, part of my frustration with the dietary community is one recommendation for everybody. Well, what we know is, our bodies, while they function pretty much the same, we're all going to be pretty unique. So, um, it's one of those things where you will rarely see it written up in articles in the USA Today in the mainstream press. But if you were to go to, you know, guys like, um, John Berardi, who I mentioned in the, you know, our first conversation or, um, you know, some of the high end uh, researchers that you see in uh, men's health or, you know, places like that, you'll see more conversation about, you know, body types and that, and that type of thing. Well, that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, it's actually
0: what changed, yeah, exactly what changed my uh, entire diet. Oh, wow.
1: Well, and it's interesting because. When it comes to certain diets, right, like when Atkins came out with his diet and he advocated reducing carbs, what you heard was that essentially this is a diet that, you know, would be applicable to anybody. And usually when you see diet programs, they don't distinguish between body types, right? And so my guess then is that perhaps this is part of the reason why you have people who try certain diets and they don't work because they're really not geared to your body type as well as they might be geared to somebody else's body type.
0: Well, here's the thing. The Atkins diet was focused on managing your insulin levels, and it's really driven by your your body's ability to process and burn carbohydrates without gaining weight. hmm all of our bodies have, you know, all of our bodies function in that manner. But for some people, you know, so the Atkins diet actually works better for endomorphs who really struggle. Um, diets that have some carbohydrates in them um, are better suited for mesomorphs and ectomorphs. But, you know, around your your, your point about, Know, your body may not have been suited for that diet. You have to remember that diets are temporary. Eating choices and lifestyles are long-term. So it may very well have been that someone was on the active diet because it's pretty brutal for two or three weeks to eat nothing but large, well, eat nothing but copious amounts of meat and all the vegetables you can hold. Uh, for 21 days in the induction mm-hmm. period.
1: That's
0: yeah. just not a lot of fun. No. And if you, you know, have a job where there's always food in the office, it's always bread, pizza, or you know, some type of sweet. So, you know, the other thing is people lie about what they eat every day.
1: <laughs> That's true. I mean, we we
0: we lie. But,
1: oh no! I don't
0: stop it. That's that's why ninety five percent of us break New Year's resolutions by you know late <laughs> January.
1: You know well, because
0: we. I mean it, I know you didn't, but other people. Made it.
1: <laughs> I don't make resolutions. I don't think they work. <laughs> Because, you know, if you're going to uh, change a habit, then, you know, why wait till the beginning of the year, right? And uh, if you did it sometime when you actually should have, then you don't need to wait until the year ends to decide, oh, yes, I'm going to do that now. But that's a whole nother show. Uh, So for the person who is thinking, and and by the way, listeners, you know, this is such an interesting aspect that uh, I'm going to post for you a quiz that will uh, you answer a few very simple questions. I actually did it as as Frank was talking about body types because I had a suspicion about what I was and um, answer some simple questions about, you know, if you put your uh, fingers around your wrist, do your middle fingers, does your middle finger touch your thumb? Does it overlap or does it not touch at all? Um, Interesting kinds of things like that. And... um, So we're going to put a quiz for you that you can check out and uh, take a test and figure out what kind of body type um, you have. And then uh, you'll also see another link to some workout and diet tips based on your body type, as well as, you know, you'll probably see some options for heart rate monitors that you can check out as well. So in closing, Frank, I would ask you, for the person who is out there feeling Um, frustrated because, boy, you know, they they made that New Year's resolution that I would not recommend Um, (laughs) because, you know, if you wanted to get fit, you should have started getting fit before the year began. But anyway, so you got that person who, uh, you know, is either thinking about starting up a routine at the gym or maybe is frustrated with not getting the results that they wanted or expected up until this point in the year. Um, what general suggestions uh would you have?
0: Well, first thing is to have a reasonable set of expectations you, you know, the typically you can lose about one percent of your body weight and fat, which is what you're trying to lose so losing body fat. Is a slow process. Um, number two, I would, um, you know, shoot for a goal of you know, getting exercise, you know, five or six times a week. The, the Surgeon General suggests that we get thirty to sixty minutes of you know moderate to vigorous activity uh, every day, and so it's a It becomes a habit and a lifestyle.
1: So actually, Um, does that suggest then that three times a week is not sufficient? Because there was a time when I used to hear that you should um, try and get to the gym about three times a week. Is that really not enough?
0: Well, you know, it depends upon the results you're getting and what you're trying to achieve. But, you know, if you're you're not getting the results that you want, then... you know, you have to look at how much exercise you're getting and what you're eating. So, you know, as a guideline, typically, you know, five to six hours a week of, you know, good quality exercising. If you if you can read um, or type on the treadmill that I saw someone do this evening, um, you're probably not exercising hard enough. So, um You know, the next thing is to go back to the basics of, you know, your diet. Because typically when um, we start out strong and then stuff starts to creep in. So, you know, have a dietary journal or some way to track compliance with your diet. And build in, you know, times when you relax it. But if you are expecting to lose, you know, five or six pounds a week, what's reasonable is usually two to three. You know, on the high side, if you're my size, if you're a normal size person, one to two should be what you expect. Um, so, you know, make sure that you have a, a dietary journal to track compliance with your diet. And I think if you are actually complying with what is a reasonable and healthy you know, eating regimen and you're exercising regularly. Over time, everything will work out.
1: Well, with that, thank you. I do find though that journaling helps a great deal because most people will say things like, "I don't understand why I weigh so much. I don't eat that much." And then if and and this happens to me too when I when I am tracking what I eat every single day, um, then I am not at all surprised about what my weight is, and in fact, I can predict from one day to the next whether my weight is going to stay the same, whether it's going to go up a a point something of a pound, or whether it's going to, you know, ultimately start to go down depending on what I'm putting in my mouth on a daily basis. And so um, I do find that people, you know, it's easy to cheat, right? I'm doing well, I'm doing well, and then I have a donut. And then, you know, I get on the scale the next day and I can't believe that, I haven't lost any weight because why I did so well, and all I remember is I did well. I don't remember the donut, right? So, <laughs> so I do think that that helps a great deal because actually I think for most people, what you weigh is really not a mystery because it's 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 pretty directly correlated with what you're eating and what your workout habits are. So with that, Frank, I would say thank you very much for joining us today on the Speedway Show. This has been really enlightening.
0: Well, I enjoyed it and uh, hope to come back again soon.
1: Well, I'm sure we can find something else to talk about. Uh, Listeners, I hope you really enjoyed the show and you got some good ideas. And if you need even more, you can listen to all the past shows that we have that deal with what I call the Thinner Series because the goal is not to be thin. It's just for many of us is to be thinner. Um, Losing weight the right way, how I lost the weight, how Frank lost the weight, um, think thinner, act thinner, eat thinner, Uh, all of these are Mostly past shows. I think Act Thinner is coming up though we've done Eat Thinner and uh right around Christmas time there were a whole lot of people who listened to that show. All of these shows are accessible and available on Speedway.com. dot com. If any of them are not on the website, you can always get them from iTunes which carries all of the past shows Uh, because on the website we only carry about uh, 11 or 12 months' worth of shows. So you can find them all, and uh, if you show up for the posting for this particular show, you're going to see links to uh, the body types that Frank described. You can take the test on what kind of body type you have. You can uh, get some tips for the body type that you discover that you have. And uh, you will also have some articles and books and things that you can tools that you can use in your weight loss journey. So um, with that, I would say thank you very much for joining us on the Speedway show. Tune in next week for another riveting episode, or at least episode that I think is riveting anyway. Until then, go in peace and get the results of that workout.
0: Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well,
1: live fully, and love deeply.